Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Our Crack Rackets team is so grateful for the many opportunities we have received throughout the tennis world. Of course, it starts with a chance to provide all of you tennis fans with the sort of information we know you deserve covering the results day in, day out, not just at the professional level, but of course at the collegiate level, the junior level as well. Of course, we are always immensely flattered to receive the opportunity to host events for aspiring tennis players across the country as well, whether that be aspiring junior juniors or current collegiate athletes. We've even had the opportunity to dabble in the occasional pro event, which we are always immensely grateful for. But perhaps the thing we value most about our Crack Rackets platform is the opportunity to shine a light on the many unsung heroes found throughout the tennis world. That is precisely what we are doing on today's podcast as we had the incredible opportunity to participate in the retirement ceremony for former Valparaiso men's and women's head tennis coach Jim Doherty. Coach Doherty spent 35 years as the head men's coach over at Valpo. It was a career that saw him win well over 300 victories, multiple championships, receive multiple awards for his program as well. It was such an incredible chance for us to not only get the opportunity to interact with so many different generations of former collegiate athletes, but just to see how valuable one head coach, one person can be in the lives of so many different tennis players. It was a fantastic weekend, a weekend we have documented on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. If you would like to learn more about the ceremony, you can hop over there to see what the weekend's festivity, or how the weekend's festivities, excuse me, transpired. But again, it was just a a huge honor for us to be asked to help honor Coach Doherty, who really, again, has done so much not only on the court, but of course off the court as well. His influence will last forever, perhaps even longer than what he actually accomplished on the tennis court. And on today's show, you're going to hear my conversation with Coach Doherty. Of course, we take he takes us back to the beginning. We talk about how he got into the college tennis coaching ranks and what he learned throughout his 35 uh, year journey, the highs, the lows. Of course, we had to talk about some of the tennis highlights as well and just what it takes to build a program like he did at Valpo essentially from scratch. It's a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. And before we get to it, I have to give a huge shout out to Baylor men's tennis head coach Michael Woodson, who was a critical in helping to organize these events. He wasn't the only one as well, and believe me, you know I never love giving credit to Coach Woodson, but again, he was the one, he sort of took the impetus, the, uh, the, we're gonna cut that shit, we're gonna cut that shit. Welcome in, Cracked fans. We are live on the campus of Valparaiso University to celebrate the career of former men's tennis coach, the man joining me in the booth today, Jim Doherty. Coach, welcome to our Cracked Interviews podcast. Thank you for having us here this weekend. has to be a surreal weekend to get all of your former players in. This, this celebration, it, it has to be enjoyable. It, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't believe this is happening after two years and like seclusion for all of us, really. Uh, and, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, and that's, that would have been fine with me. I, I had a, a, a wonderful career here. Um, very happy, very happy in retirement and uh, fulfilled in life. But, uh, you know, after the reception last night, uh, it really hit me that, wow, there's a lot of love here and a lot of happy people. 
at least now, you know, there was an always, you know, smooth sailing. But um, so, yeah, this is surreal. I mean, you know, the numbers, the love, just and great to see everyone having fun. And I think something that our listeners may not know, and again, if for those who don't know much about the Valparaiso program, you guys have switched conferences a couple of times, and unfortunately after the 2020 season, men's tennis was discontinued at the school moving forward. That said, talking to all of the guys here uh, on site today, they talk about this alumni event not just being a one-off, that this was something you tried to do every year yeah. while uh, ahead of the program. You know, Obviously, it seems pretty clear what the purpose would be, but why? Why bring back the alumni, and have you seen that decision I mean, manifest itself in the relationships? To me, it seems like, yes, we have a very tight-knit program. Well, um, Only wow. simple questions here for you, Coach. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that. That's a no-brainer. I mean, it's my favorite weekend. I mean, I could talk about tournaments, matches, alumni, homecoming weekend is my favorite weekend, and that's because we bring back and all the players. Um, you know, some can make it some years, some other years, and but it's just the most beautiful uh, event um, that I could imagine. And, uh, yeah, I think that's why you see all the camaraderie out here. Uh, I just want them to have fun. Uh, you know, if they get a chance and they want to celebrate with me or celebrate me, it's not about that, but we're all celebrating each other. And, and it, it, the cool thing, too, is a lot of them that didn't play with each other got to meet uh, in our friends now, you know, that, that didn't play together. And so seeing those connections and the fun they're having out here means the world. I, I just revel in it. Do you think Shorsh could walk into college tennis right now and still go undefeated and not drop another set in Horizon League play or whatever it may be? I watched Jeff today, and I'm like, oh, my God, is he good? You know, Jeffrey will always have game. <laughs> yeah. uh, what can you say? You know, if I were to come back and play, I don't think he'd beat me. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, you know, I can talk. Yeah. Me too, Coach. Yeah, yeah, well, no. But, yeah, no, and, and he's like, you know, I'm surprised, Coach. I, You know, I haven't played forever, but I came back, and, he, yeah, that inside-out forehand of his will never leave him. Yeah. He owns that, you know. It's patented. So, uh, you know, but he was always a team player. There's a lot of things about Jeffrey people don't know, and he, he reveled in the team atmosphere, even though he did remarkable things and set records and all that. He, he wouldn't have played if it wasn't a team setting. And I think, uh, I, I hope that's what he said he enjoyed a lot about, you know, maybe there's some, you know, he talked about how bad of a decision it was for him to come here. I hope not, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, he, he's a remarkable person and player. No, it's been so fun to watch him. It's been so fun to get to chat with all of the guys. And, you know, the word we routinely heard when speaking with them is the family culture you've created. That was the word over and over again. They said it's a competitive family, but that it is still a family first and foremost. And, again, we sort of alluded to it, but you have guys from your first season, 1985, here. You have guys yeah. from your final season here this weekend as well. Yeah. To see the generational commitment – Again, what does that say about your program? Well, I mean, it. Uh, you know, I don't think I set out to make it a part of the program, to be honest. I mean, I, I just enjoy the connections with the players. So, 
you know, that's selfish, I guess. I don't know. I call it whatever you want. But I, I had a lot of fun with them, and they know that. Um, some are probably laughing. Depends on what decade you came in on, and I don't know what other stories you heard. But um, we'll so, get there. Don't worry. We'll get oh, to this. Oh no. Story. Okay. All right. All right. So, but um, yeah, the um, you know we had a lot of fun with them and uh, um, why they enjoyed their experience here I um, I think it just had a lot to do with those connections again um, and family um, uh, yeah we felt like a family I don't know if we really set out to make that the goal but we wanted to make sure it was fun because, hey, retention is an important thing. Any coach should know that, you know. Yeah. If everything is so monotonous and unfun and, you know, uh, is unfun a right well, word? I was going to say the other word we got a lot of was fun. That was the yeah. repeatedly. It was a family. It was fun. And I was like, do you need a third F? Like, what are you guys looking for? Yeah, it was a, you know, F of a good time. But that was the, yeah. that was what we heard repeatedly. You know, and I think that's an ingredient you need to create family. Yeah. Now, there needs to be some loyalty to each other. And, you know, and some had to be, had to learn that a little bit on the way. Because sure. you got some, you know, hey, independent, you know, kind of, I want to say selfish. But, you know, we're, they were, all, we're all growing up. And sure. they learn, um to help support each other, you know, and what a beautiful thing, you know, when they when they learn that and uh, our good teammates support each other, um, you know, and, and carry those kind of values where you know you can trust um, your teammate, which you, you know those are all the things you got to have. Yeah, right? I know, absolutely. And yeah. with that in mind, let's wind the clock back a little bit. 1985. I'm negative 10 years old. That'll make you feel very good. But uh, if you yeah. look at uh, again, you are fresh out of an all-conference career at Ball State, and I'm sure you're trying to figure out, well, you know, what is Jim Doherty going to do with his life? If I'd have told you in 1985, 35 years of coaching at Valparaiso. Now, you're also, of course, teaching here as well. But 35 years, does that number come as a shock to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I, really was – it was just a temporary job. You know, yeah. I I came in um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's, I want to say it's tough at the beginning because I had some fun. I had some great guys back then. But the early guys were um, – all in fraternities, and that's not a bad thing, but uh, they knew how to party and party hard. So uh, it was for me to jump into that situation, uh, you know, they broke me in pretty well. So, but, um, you know, we all made it work, and uh, everything was easy after that. No. Uh, yeah, so going back in 85, uh, I need to grow my hair out so I can think about this. Okay, were the courts still located? You can see them behind yeah. us. The, some yeah. day soon to be Jim Doherty courts, but, you know, yeah. at, uh, where, no. I was going to say, where was the initial well, facility? Well, the, the initial facility was right behind the football field, oh, and it was fun. so close to the football field, they used to kick field goals into the courts. <laughs> And, you know, I think it wasn't until my assistant got hit with a ball that, you know, we're, you know, I don't know, and the players that we're like, okay, we know we're going to take a back seat here, but someone's got to put a net up behind those posts. But, yeah, and those courts, you know, were, uh, you know, uh, cracked and, you know, we, we... 
Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't on dirt. But, yeah, you know. no, it, it gets the job done. Yeah, and I know so for the, you, I was going to say, looking back, 1988 Conference Coach of the Year. 1999 Conference Coach of the Year. We're going to get to the 16-17 teams, 2016-2017, that obviously won conference titles as well. But was that 88 Conference co- uh, Coach of the Year? Is that just because you got the guys out of the frat house onto the court? You know, what, uh, what goes into that? And, you know, you know you're those first five years, because I feel like five-year blocks is always a good way to look at it, right? Yeah, just, yeah. Tell me about the development process. I'm well, it, you know, wasn't about, you know, uh, not having, you know, non-partiers yeah, or anything. Course, yeah. I, I think that was that's an element of every college yeah, kid, I mean, right? I mean, realistically... But, um, I, you know, we did go from near the bottom of the conference in, you know, that I think it was 88. I mean, I don't know. The first year I got coach of the year, we finished third. So I was surprised. I was like, I'm really surprised. But all the coaches were like, we can't believe <laughs> that you guys, we really advanced that year. And so that's kind of, you know, we didn't win conferences, and that rarely happens that I know of, that you get named coach of the year when you're not winning conference, but it was nice that the other coaches recognized the amount of improvement we were making, and uh, so that was a real tribute to the guys, you know, they they put the hard work in, and uh I was just along for the ride. Yeah, no, this is where you might get mad at me. I have my first story, a little bit of dirt for you. I hear sometimes in those early days on the road, it was soup and salad Sundays, where it's, yeah. look, hey, you know, yeah. come on, guys, we're trying to get, you know, work yeah. on budget here. And of course, look, yeah. it's a mid major program. And I think that must have been the most challenging thing at first yeah. as well, just trying to acclimate to that environment. To coaches out there listening to this who will look and say, well, 35 years of Valparaiso, how do I try to replicate that success? Are those the sacrifices? Again, what are the little things that well, you sustained during that um, time? I mean, that wasn't a design sacrifice sure. at all, obviously, because um, the things that a coach tries to hide from yeah. is the players. Yeah. And you want to say, we're, we're on a shoestring budget here. But there becomes telltale signs of that. Yeah. You know, they don't understand that, you know, when I get back and I've gone over budget, I'm getting my ear chewed yeah, out or sense. something. And um, so it was rough, you know. Um, but, you know, other guys had to buy their own shoes and string their own racket. I mean, it was – those are tough days, you know, four to a hotel room. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, so, yeah, I did I want to do that? No, but – um, yeah, there were times where uh, I was, uh, the pressure of that was there. And uh, thank God it got better. I was going to say, well, it, clearly you did something right, right? As, as people kept coming, and then we get towards late 90s, early 2000s. I'm going to butcher their last names, but Nate and Nick, who yeah. set seemingly every record for the program at that time. Yeah. What was clicking? What allows you to take that jump? It felt like early 2000s to where now you're constantly competing for Horizon League titles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Nate, you know, when you're combining doubles teams, um, you never know sometimes. Just You you try different combinations and something clicks in, and you're like, good. We got them locked in, and then you're trying to lock in Tumblr 2 and 3. But, um, you know, part of it's luck. You know, um, Nick was a state champ, I think, uh, or, you know, up high, if I recall. Nate was a walk-on and, you know, and became uh, conference player of the year. So, you know, 
I, I didn't, you know, he got better, but he was just a natural athlete. So I lucked out with him. So, I mean, there's some luck that comes in play. And there are some, uh, you know, I think going back to the connections and the camaraderie, all that has to take place in order for the team to want to work hard and enjoy the whole experience. Without that, you don't win championships. So, yeah. You know, and, and it makes it a little easier to recruit when you're doing sure. better. Sure. You know, no one wants to join a losing program <laughs> unless you can convince them that it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt about that. And I'm curious for you because, again, whether it's negotiating the budget, whether it's getting recruiting to where you want it to be, when would you say, you don't have to give me a specific season, but how long did it take you to find your footing? It does feel like college tennis is a space where – you know, again, whether it's recruiting your guys or just finding out what it takes to be a coach day in, day out, it sometimes does take a little bit longer. Did it take you a little longer? Did it take you a little shorter? You know, when did you feel like you finally had control and command of the Valpo program? Yeah. Well, I don't think uh, – I definitely did not at the beginning. Um, I, I mean, as a USPTA certified professional, I, I knew technique – but um, navigating through team stuff and, you know, group huddles and that, I, I was like, I was really nervous <laughs> at times. You know, you lose a close doubles point, you bring everyone together, and you're trying to tell them that the ship hasn't gone down, yeah. we're going to win this when you're pissed because <laughs> we blew that, you know. Like, exactly. But, you know. Um, no, no, that's yeah. exactly what I was looking yeah. for because it does take time for any coach to just – feel like oh, they have command yeah, of that huddle yeah, yeah, yeah and to just yeah. say so yeah it, it evolved um over time but now this is going to be a strange answer I like that it. nobody will ever know okay so they needed someone to teach coaching theory <laughs> okay and they yeah i'll try it you know so i'm like learning it as i go along and i'm like uh-oh i don't do this i don't do that you know so i'm like trying this trying that you know Building team camaraderie. Um, you're not supposed to say this. You're yeah. supposed to say that. I'm like, oh gosh. So I that helped me evolve too, and uh, learn a lot from the players too. I mean, feedback. But I think you know, as I got teaching and combining. But again, textbook isn't going to teach you everything. Sure. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Obviously, you know. But you, you keep trying different things but yeah I, I don't know you know I wasn't always good at everything you know sure. when when certain assistant coaches came in they brought their strengths that um, really mm-hmm. um, vaulted our program to different levels so it wasn't just coach Doherty it sure. was uh, assistants who could bring in um, some of the strengths that I, I, you know, I don't have. Except for Woodson, of course. Except yeah, for, yeah, no, except no, for no, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But I think he's an old, you yeah, know, yeah. I don't know yeah, what exactly. kind of program he got into. Yeah, exactly. You know. No, I am, I'm curious, though, because obviously yourself and you see Coach Woodson come from there. You can date back. Coaches Boland and Bresky, they came from mid-major schools as well. What is it about mid-major tennis? It does feel like those who play mid-major tennis, I'm curious if you've seen this as well, have a passion for it. Because when you're playing a Division One sport, a high level, you can make the case to anyone, go play tennis at Duke, right? Like, yeah. not a tough sell job. Yeah. To get a player to commit to their four years through in Valpo, sometimes five as well, yeah. it does feel like that that reflects the passion, right? Yeah. I do think there's a passion to mid-major college tennis that you just don't see at other yeah. conferences or levels. Yeah. 
I, you make a great point. Um, I do see that pattern too, and I've never thought about that. But um, my thought is, there, you know, in the mid-major, the players are going to be a, maybe a little rough around the edges and haven't fully developed and not burn out yet. Yeah. Where at the higher levels, they've had a ton of tennis, yep. and that they're just, you know, the pressures are bigger. But at this mid-major level, you know, um, you got hungry people who yeah. want to improve, and there's a lot more improvement and development that takes place. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think, you know, that's enjoyable mm-hmm. as a coach. You know, there's nothing worse than being on a court with someone who isn't trying or doesn't <laughs> care. Sure. Or, you know, I, I don't encounter running cross that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it made me love my job, love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't mind me saying, I think I've seen that enthusiasm trickle down to your former players. It's why they're so excited to be It has nothing to do with you, yeah. but no, <laughs> exactly. No, um, no, now, I do, again, we've got a ceremony for you coming up, so I don't want to take yeah. up too much more of your time. But I do want to run through some highlights because I went through the record books. I, I feel pretty well equipped to talk Valpo tennis with you here, and I can't not do it before we let you go. That 98, 99, 2000, is that when you felt like program really started to hit its oh. stride? Nick, Nate, the results yeah. start to pick up as well. Oh, that, was, yeah. that was really where it was like, we yeah. are here. Yeah, and all the signs were there because it wasn't just matches. It were tournaments. These guys were breaking through <laughs> and beating some of the big programs mm-hmm. and, and really, um, you know, breaking through in different ways. And I could see the confidence growing yeah. in them as they went along. So, um you know, I see people falling in here. I'm yeah, to get distracted. No, me like, too as well. Oh, They're happening? here for you. Exactly. Yeah, no, uh, so I got to. So, but, um, yeah, during those period of time, and that's what led up to the first championship in 2002. Um, and we were just teetering on that mm-hmm. for, during those years. So we were always hovering at the top, mm-hmm. you know, one, two, or three. And it finally broke through 2002. Yeah. And as you know, success, you know, breeds breed success. Yeah, and, it, and we got on that. And you just you want to hold on and not let it go. So um, we were able to recruit and develop players and good people. Absolutely. Again, last two questions for you. 16, 17, you go back to back. When did you know that group was special? Because I, I know they were a young group. I know a lot of them came in together. Yeah. Well, um, they were, you know, we – I mean, you're looking at four or five star recruits. So, yeah. I mean, you, you knew, like, um, I, you know, Woodson. You yeah, know, my, I'm like, I don't know. Michael, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we can. Oh, yeah, we're getting right in there with him. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Big Ten, you know, and the yeah. Big East and all those guys. No, no, Coach, we're getting right in there. So, yeah. he gets a lot of credit for changing the mindset mm-hmm. for that. But, um, uh, so, yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. we were like, okay, let's yeah. give it a try, you know. And uh, we helped refine our uh, mission for our mm-hmm. program and things that we want to accomplish. And we started individuals as well as team practices. And so um, we didn't lie about it either. We, we produced. And uh, so as we sold the program more and became more organized, mm-hmm. and again, good, good help, yeah, you of know, course. really good help. Um, really made the difference. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we brought in some good players, but it's kind of like you bring in one good player, 
and all of a sudden everyone's like, you got so-and-so. Yeah, exactly. I'm aboard. Absolutely. You know, and they all want to be a part of a winning program. And with that in mind, my final question for you, the most important question I'll ask all day, you get to replay one. Charlie and Jeff in that quarterfinal of NCAAs or Northwestern first-round match. You guys dropped that match 4-1 2016. I feel like you guys could have won that. I feel like you play that match ten times, you guys win it at least twice. Like, that. that's one I circle. Which do you pick? Or is there another match from your tenure? Wow. Yeah. Serious questions uh, here at the end. You have done your homework. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, those are the things that uh, Coach will reel about yeah. a little bit. But, you know, yeah, we were much more – we were in that match with Northwestern. Yeah. And, you know, it, there was a tight match. Yeah. And we thought if we can swing, I won't give any names. It's Jeffrey. Jeffrey. No. I mean, no. No, if we can swing this one match because yeah. the other guys were coming back yeah. in the second sets. Mm-hmm. So it was exciting. And we were yeah. like in, in Northwestern, when you're a – when you're favored to win, you're yeah. feeling more of the pressure. That is Zeba, so, Shropshire, Kirkheim. That was a really good oh, team, very, too. Oh, very, very yeah. good team. And so I was really proud. The guys, uh, really proud of the guys. And we were just hoping we could swing that. And, you know, they they fought really hard. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like it's one that got away from us. It just And kind of like the quarterfinal match. Yeah, they usually came down to this high break at the very end, you know, 11-9 in the third, you know. Or, so, uh, but they won their share of those, too. Exactly. And I, you know, when they went to the finals of the indoor nationals, they had match points against them. And those guys, uh, unbelievable, turned mm-hmm. it, would just turn it up a notch, you know. So, um they're extremely confident, and I'm so proud of them and, and all the players, yeah. really. They always had that great attitude, work ethic. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, again, uh, uh, something we are really proud of is to be associated with this coach because, sincerely, not enough is made about the commitment from people like you who offer, you know, again, a, a program like Valparaiso. It's not going to win every headline, but there are countless players all here this weekend who clearly thoroughly enjoyed their time and will always remember their college tennis experience, and a lot of that has to do with you. So thank you so much for having well, us thank here this you, weekend. Alex. I, you know, it's wonderful that you take the time to come here and promote college tennis. It's, you know, um, really needed, um, and it's a great sport. I hope, you know, that we can get, you know, the momentum improving in that area there. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so it's been a great experience, and I know. Uh, I appreciate you being in the wings with all of us. It is our pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Jim Doherty. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with former Valpo men's and women's tennis head coach Jim Doherty. A huge thank you to Coach, Coach's wife, the entire Valpo tennis alumni base for embracing us throughout the course of the weekend, for being willing to participate in all of the fun gimmicks we had planned for Coach Doherty to, again, help celebrate what has been a fantastic career in college tennis. If you are interested in learning more about those retirement ceremony festivities, hop on over to 
our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. You can see all of the speeches from the alums. You can see, obviously, our highlights from throughout the day as well. And again, I can only hope there are other college programs throughout the country who have the sort of strong base, just that familial connection that clearly exists uh, within the Valpo men's tennis program. That's what college tennis is all about, building those bonds, building those connections, building that broader family uh, for the rest of a player's life. And it's quite clear that was the word that kept coming up for Coach Doherty. Family, family, family. That is what he has built at Valpo. And while there will no longer be a Valpo men's tennis team, at least in the immediate future, there is no denying what Coach Doherty has accomplished, what he did for so many throughout his tenure. So again, a thank you to him for taking the time to chat. A thank you to the entire Valpo alumni uh, for having us there throughout the weekend. And again, if you are interested in learning more about the event, hop on over to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. But of course, this is not the only Crack interview we have on the feed here this week. We were also joined by another former coach in the college tennis ranks, former NCAA singles finalist as well, Lau Valverdu, joining the show uh, to geek out with me about some mid-2000s, early 2010 college tennis to talk about what it's like to go from player to coach and all the rest in between. Of course, it is a fantastic conversation. All of you listeners I know will enjoy and you can find here on this podcast feed. Of course, Indian Wells content has been the theme of our mini break and Great Shot podcast feeds. GSP aces of the day each and every day on that Great Shot podcast feed. Recaps of each day's action on the mini break podcast feed as well. If you have missed out on any of it, you can catch up on it all on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends over at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with all of that said for our super our fantastic guest coach jim doherty our super producers fliegner and westoff our friends over at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone <laughs>